You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm Brandon. And I'm Saba. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Rod, who is the brains behind Stash Products, which consists of smoking accessories for dabbing and using your concentrates. We personally love our Rio glass pieces for many reasons, and we are excited to dive deeper behind the brand and where it came from. So please welcome Rod, the founder and CEO of Stash Products to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi, Rod. Hey. hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us. Before we dive into the brand, let's get to know you a little. Tell us where your cannabis journey first began. Do you remember your first time to smoke cannabis? Sure. Well, my cannabis journey really begins with, I guess, where I come from. I come from Brazil, and, and, uh, and in, my, in my culture, um, cannabis is not something very accepted, so... Uh, my first journey in cannabis, and for a long time, it was very hidden from everybody, my family, everybody. Uh, that was a, a big part of my life was hiding something that I absolutely adored and loved doing, not only because I got high, but because I just really connected with the, with the plant. Yeah. So what would you say your go-to way to consume cannabis is? Smoking. Uh, I love, you know, snaps. I like taking just... I have big, big, big uh, long ribs. Um, a lot of people think that I take a, I smoke a lot more like oil than I really do, um, but I connect with flour um, just a lot more. I don't know what yeah. it is. It's just the OG. It's just the herb. It's, you know, straight yep. in your hand feeling. Yep, absolutely. I, I, it's something that I connect with a lot better. And um, But, you know, the, I think the first time I ever smoked weed was, you know, out of like a copper pipe that we, you know, we put together ourselves with some aluminum foil and, um, you know, and, and did it that way. And from that point on, I was always like making, you know, things out of PVC piping or, wow. you know, just red or water bottles mm-hmm. or something, you know, I was always trying to make something because I couldn't have, couldn't have anything at my house. And again, I had to hide everything. So anything I made it consumed and used for that day. I had to ultimately throw away. I couldn't bring it home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you said you were born in Brazil, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, at, when did you move to the States? What age? Well, um, I was five. My mom worked for the uh, Brazilian embassy here in the United States. And my dad got, he got kind of imported into the country because my dad was considered one of the best mechanic and engineers for diesel uh, trucks, cars, whatever it is. So he worked on the Army, uh, United States Army trucks for a long time and helped mm-hmm. them engineer a lot of, you know, better better products for diesel and then consumption of gasoline and things of that nature. Wow, Very that's cool. really cool. That is something yeah. really cool. It's different. I know. That was just curious. So have you gone back to Brazil since obviously you've been? I have. Okay. Since I've lived here, I have. Yeah, 100%, but not since I've opened up my business. Um since I opened up my business 2013, 2012, um, I have not gone back. It's been uh, it's been really bad because you know both my grandparents passed away in that time, mm. 
I'm sorry uh, to hear that. But they're hustlers. Like, you know, I, I even said, hey, I'm going to come and visit you guys. And they're like, absolutely not. You're like, you're on a mission for success. Yeah. You're um, trying to do this. And mm-hmm. they're like, you know, don't don't come here for, for that. Just to see us on our dead bed. Our dead bed, I guess you could say. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. But so they're, 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 they're okay. They're, they're fine. Um, so tell us what's something you enjoy doing after you smoke. Um, man, I love, um, I'm a big nerd. I love playing video games. I play Overwatch like nobody's business or, um, I design or just draw. I just sit there and draw for, for hours and like draw like 3d CAD drawings. Like I'm always making like 3d things at all times. I'm always making, drawing something. That's so cool. Um, my brain does not stop. So I smoke and I just start making cool things or things that aren't cool and you know some of them make it some of them don't do you feel like using cannabis like helps you get into it way more versus like not consuming and diving into that absolutely um it really helps me um i guess it helps me kind of concentrate and analyze things sometimes and really think outside the box most people are taught and they live inside of a box that of things and and, uh, and I try to really think outside of the box at all times um, because if I didn't I think I would put something out that kind of looked like you know another puffco lookalike thing you know what I mean that's what everybody else is doing and we always tried as much as I love that brand I like I love puffco and their brand um, I, I've been a fan of them before I had my own brand so um, um, we always try to be different because you know there's a there's an Apple in the industries and there's a Samsung and mm-hmm. there's a Nokia and all that. So we want to be we. I've always said I want to be the Samsung of my industry. You know I really look at PubGo as the Apple of my industry. Um, but a, a lot of things that people don't know is that Samsung makes pretty much all the hardware for Apple, um, and they and I'm okay with that. I'd be more than happy. I would love to work with Roger. I would love to work with PubGo. Um, that's a big dream of mine is to work with other brands, competing brands, or what people would see as competing brands. That's a gigantic dream of mine to do that. Wow. And we do that currently with, with a lot of competitors. We uh, we license ideas out for uh, Uh We just did a collaboration with Aspire. We're licensing them out an idea as well. We're doing a collaboration with Bear Corps, um, MJ Arsenal, Dip Devices. Wow. Um, so we work with a lot of brands, and we want we want that. We want that more of a collaboration. A lot of glass blowers do that. Songwriters do that. We, uh, clothes makers do that. So we feel that our industry, we should be doing that more, showing people that brands should be working together, not really fighting against each other or really competing. Um, it's like you know going to the gym and having that guy that spots you on your weight. You know, he's not there to compete with you he's there to make sure that you get big and, and helps you throughout your your process of getting bigger and stronger and, and right. that's what i see other brands as they're there just to spot me they're there to give me motivation they're there to bring me up when i'm when i'm when i'm in my when i'm in my like when i can't create something really good like the proxy that just came out like i just try to like i just put a lot of my designs on the back burner i was like i need it i need i need that i need that next level like they step up the bar i think yeah, you guys just inspire everyone. It's the whole culture. And then it's just cool that you, that I think collaboration is important. It really is. That's cool that you, you're really passionate about that. Rod, will you tell us real fast, where are you calling from and what cannabis is like in the state you're in?
groceries, extremely de- expensive. Like a gram of like live resin is like ninety dollars or something. Um, hash here is like one hundred and eighty dollars a gram. Um, flour, I mean, like five strings, like grandpa's bread, uh, garlic, cookies. You know, they, it's Maryland keeps a really tight, tight, you know, hold on things. So uh, the black market here does like thrive very, very, very passionately and good. Um, so. I'll say that. That's amazing. So Maryland, how long has it been legalized in Maryland? A decade, actually. It's kind of weird. A lot of people didn't didn't know that. Uh, But uh, medically legal, I think it's been at least five or six years. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. So that's news to me. So you guys are not, it's not a rec state though, right? It's only medicinal? Exactly, which it, it that sucks. Um, but they're um, you know they want all their tax money, and I think that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia is recreational; you can grow in your own house in Virginia, and that wow. was a huge surprise for us um, because Virginia is like you know their state laws and they're very tight. But they want they want recreational, and they allow growing in, in Virginia um, and DC. Um, in DC, people actually give weed away with quotation marks around that, um, you know, um, it's a big gifting scene in DC. That's like what the DC scene here is. is you'll buy like a t-shirt or like uh, stickers or something with it. And then you'll get a free, free bag of weed with it. So <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's cool. <laughs> very giving, <Yeah>. very generous. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is because the law states that you're not allowed to sell cannabis in the D.C. area, but you're allowed to gift it or mm. get donations for it. Interesting. Oh. That's very loose. Yeah. It's pretty much saying do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west out there. I promise you it is. That's yeah. crazy because that's what people say about Oklahoma. So to yeah. hear it's happening in other parts of the country that we're unfamiliar with is uh, funny is not no, the word I want to use, but it's it's kind of funny. You guys are definitely the wild, wild west out there. Like I have like friends that were like not in the cannabis industry. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go out there and grow, uh, open up a dispensary. It's like fifty bucks, and I was like, what? He was like, yeah, it's like it's like a thousand dollars to get your to get a license, and I was like, you have to be kidding me. And when I looked into it, it was very inexpensive um, compared to like what Maryland. Just to apply in Maryland, just to apply, I mean, you can get denied. You don't get that money back in Maryland. You apply. It costs minimum of a hundred thousand dollars. If you get denied, you don't get that money back. That's Whoa. like, hey, look, you, you don't, you, you didn't get, um, you didn't get the application for the dispensary. It's like, all right, cool, can I get my money back? Like, no, thank you, though. We appreciate it. So, what are it's, the stipulations that, that, like, is it pretty intense stipulations that you have to go through in order to be able to even get accepted? Yeah, they make you jump through everything, and then at the end of the day, every person that has. Uh, a license in Maryland is like rise, harvest, culpa. Um, it, they're big money, big non, mm. big nationwide names. None of them are like local mom and pop shops. Because they can't zero, afford it. Like almost zero. Yeah. They can't afford it. And then the growers, the people that grow out here, they're the big names too. So they monopolize it because harvest is one of the growers and then they had dispensaries. But the weed that they sell up to, let's say like peak relief, at peak relief, it's twenty dollars more than it is at a harvest dispensary. So everybody just kind of goes to harvest, and then all the other dispensaries that aren't as big as them really suffer. Um, and and that's really that's really what it comes down to. Big money is taking over uh, one thousand um, percent, and it's the saddest thing to see. You know, to see yeah. 
tree or grow or a processing thing. Um, I've been in Maryland my entire life, and most of the people that own it aren't even from Maryland. You know, they're they came and got a here for a minute. All right, Rod. So let's flip the script a little bit. Will you tell us a little bit about? I'm sorry. Say that again. Well, I was going to say you're not supposed to own more than one dispensary in in Maryland, too. Uh, but sometimes, uh, like one owner here, uh, for instance, he owns one. His son owns one. His daughter owns one, and then they own a, a managing company that manages about sixty percent of the other dispensaries, and they end up getting sixty percent of the profits. They own like eighty percent of dispensaries in, in in I would say in my area. It's, it's monopolized already. Yeah, there's no room for like small mom and pop shops to like even None. have a chance. None. Yeah. None. yeah, that's None. crazy. So flipping the script a little bit, Rod, tell us where um, a little bit of who you are and what you do. Sure, um, uh, Rod. Uh, I uh, started Stash Products in 2013. I own, I, I uh, opened up a vape shop prior to that. And uh, saw a huge need in, in the market for products that were cool. Um, I was raised by an engineer, so like I'm always thinking outside and making things. So started making things, and um, so at the end of the day, I design and innovate and create products. Um, I I own uh, I own seven utility patents, um, one design patent, and we have uh, thirteen pending patents as as we wow. on uh, thir- thirteen new products that we're trying to release. Wow, that's amazing! Congratulations. Yeah. That's really that. That's awesome to hear. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. and I only have a ninth nice grade education. I dropped out of high school in my ninth grade. I was just not not about it. Wow, I, I got expelled for smoking weed. I mean, that, isn't that funny how that works? And now you're like so successful in what you're doing, and it's because you were smoking yeah. weed. <laughs> yeah, my principal told me that he'd be surprised if I wasn't in jail by 21. Oh my gosh! I've searched for him like high and low, like. Just to be like in your face, dude. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but I can't find him. I think he's like purposely hiding from me. Probably. He's like, I never want to see this guy again because I know everything I said. I look like an ass now. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. So, but, Rod, tell yeah, I, 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 Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, no, tell no, us no, what no, made no. you want to get into the cannabis industry. Um, I was uh, I was an efficiency expert for restaurants. Um, so any process that was really, you know, not working well, I did that for 20 years, 25 years before I opened up my own thing. And um, I saw, uh, I think it was a, a TV show about um, cannabis and how cops were getting into, the retired cops were getting into cannabis uh, industry and they had started like a an armored truck company. And I was like, man, even cops are getting into cannabis industry. I was like, I'm stupid if I don't try to get into this somehow. But I, I, at the time, too, was a green card holder because, um, again, we're here because of my mom's embassy thing. Um, so me having cannabis or getting in trouble with cannabis, me and my family could have gotten deported. Um, so I, I said, you know, how can I get into the cannabis industry without actually being in the cannabis industry? Um, and I, I, you know, I was making vapes and stuff already. So I was like, what, what if I try to make like a cool a cool wax vaporizer and that's what I did with my first my first product was a stash pen in 2013 um, and we sold that I mean it took me almost two years to sell my first 500 units I sold my car for it I sold like all my belongings to get those 500 units uh, like, wow you believed in friend. it uh, yeah I did and, and it was it was copied I'm sure you guys actually used the copy version of that pen 
Um, the yellow can that has that little silicone storage on the bottom of the wax pens from like maybe three, four years ago, the yellow can evolved. That, that infringes on my utility patent I have on that wax pen from like 2014. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, but we moved, yeah, we moved on from that. It was, I'm glad that like I never got successful with that product because I would have never made the Rio. I would have mm-hmm. never made um, the other products that I'm currently make, making. I would have stayed in that mentality of vaporizers and only vaporizers. I wouldn't have looked outside the box. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so I'm, I'm happy it happened. Yeah, that's good perspective. So what would you say is the most popular device that you make? Um, the Rio is by far the most popular, um, but it's, you know, I don't think it should it should be. I think the other ones that I make should, are like so more and more witty, and and so I don't know. I think they're like so much more useful. Uh, the reel is useful, and I like it, but it's it's been around for at least two and a half, three years now. Um, and when I came out with the connector, um, I thought the connector was probably the coolest idea I ever had because it recycles batteries for people that doesn't use cartridges. Um, it connects to any 510 threaded battery on the market and instantly turns that battery into a nectar collector. Um, so for 19.99, you can make, you know, most people have at least two of those batteries at their house. So for 19.99, you can turn any battery that you have laying around in your house into a nectar collector and use it with hash, use it with resin. You don't have to use a cartridge. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, That's now cool. the digital is my favorite because it's the, the biggest need in the market, I, I feel. Tell us what the DigiTool is. Um, the DigiTool is a digital um, scale for concentrate um, or for oils, powders. Sometimes people use like uh, um, isolates and stuff like that or CBD powders and things. So, or even for uh, mushroom capsule filling. Um, it's a great tool to weigh out anything that you normally couldn't weigh out um, before before you take a dab and you ask somebody for the first time, hey, how much should I consume? Most people say like, oh, use like a grain size worth of dab, you know? And and, and it, when I said that, when I said it for the first time, I was like, yeah, like grain size dab. And like, I was like, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Like that's someone that's a medical patient asking me how much they should consume of medicine. And I'm telling them a non-medical measurement. Yeah, like, I see what you're saying. That doesn't make any sense, you know? You know, so it's like, we should have these resources for people to use things efficiently. Like you don't take a grain size amount of Tylenol. You take a milligrams worth um, that's been weighed out and, and, and said that this is what you should be taking. Um, and I think we should be doing the same with cannabis because 90% of people that have used cannabis oil and then don't use it anymore is because they overconsumed. They had a bad experience with it. And they're just like, no, I'm okay. I don't ever want to go down that route again. Even right. Burner from Cookie himself, that was his exact words, why he does not consume cannabis oil. He took a too hot of a dab, someone gave him too much um, at a wrong temperature, and and he's had a bad experience. He yeah. never wants to try it again. That's how I feel about people who haven't, who say that same thing. I'm like, you've. it's because you. I feel like you've had a bad experience. You haven't had like the proper way. I mean, because it can be a clean, nice, feel-good you don't feel like you burned anything experience, you know? So it's just like when people get a bad experience like that, I'm like, just give it another try with someone who can like really help you, who knows what they're doing. Exactly. You know? So we want to make products that just, you know, don't, don't, that can maybe beat that person to say, hey, look, I have this digital depth scale tool. 
we have like a, th- a thermometer carb cap coming out too. So it's going to be a digital th- thermometer carb cap. Oh, that's cool. You literally carb cap put on top of your port and it'll tell you the temperature of your port. Um, so we're, oh. we're making all the tools for people um, to have. Um, to have a perfect dab again. Yeah. Yeah. Sab and I love dabs. And I remember when she was gifted her Rio and it changed the game for us, especially when we went camping. So what was the thought behind creating a portable dab rig, specifically one with a torch? Because most other ones are electric, which Sab and I have experience with, and they don't, they don't always hit like you want them to. Well, because they all, it does it in their advertising. Um, if you pay attention to how all electrical dabs advertise, the closest thing to a real dab, um, that's literally what they say. It says it in their own advertising that those things are the closest thing to a real dab. And what's a real dab? With quartz and a torch. So um, the reason I made it is because I was at a trade show using my, my electric vaporizer that we made in 2014, 2015. And I was using my torch in my rig with like quartz on it. And someone's asking, they're like, hold on, you don't use your stash pen all the time? And I'm like, nah, dude, I use that like if I don't have quartz and I don't have a torch with me. Like I'm a torch guy all the way. And like I started thinking, why am I making products that I don't even use all the time? I want to make something that I use all the time and that my consumers are going to give want to use all the time. So not always what the consumer is asking for is what we can give them. So if they're asking for something that is like a torch, it powers like a torch, it hits like a torch, but there's no technology out there that can give you blue flame power, which there isn't, um, then you have to give them a torch. Even a laser um, can't compete with um, a torch at, you know, the, the amount of speed that torches can get something as hot as it possibly can and with the safetyness of it, yeah. it's just uncomparable. Yeah. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes. And with being business owners ourselves, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So how long did it take you guys to, from start to end to come up with, design, create the Rio, test it out, research and development, like all of it from start to end. How long did it take? I would say about nine months. Wow. You know, we had about 15 to 20 different prototypes, a um, bunch of different glass. Well, we tried to make it in the United States at first. Um, I, I wanted to manufacture the, the whole thing in the United States, but uh, we wanted it to be affordable by the average American. That was our goal. I, I, affordable portable and functional. Those were our three goals, nothing else. You know, pretty came afterwards at the end of the day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so functional, affordable, and portable were, were the three things, and we wanted them to be made here. Um, but, you know, like three months into it, you know, when I was like, well, just in courts and, like, the, the base being made out of wood in America, like, that was already over $200. So I was like, okay, this is going to be hard. And then, like, the water pipe, nobody in America could make the water pipe square it was like impossible every every glass artist is like it's too hard it's too hard it's too hard it's too hard the glass wants to be brown it doesn't want it to be square so i i i do agree 
is the hardest shape to blow, and we do it on a mass production level. Um, so we uh, moved our manufacturings overseas, um, and uh, we've been able to keep up with the, with the demand ever since. Um, but then that's led to fakes. We had there's a lot of fake Rios on the market, like the cook, the cookie one, and like the backwoods one, and the freaking Morty ones, like. It's disgusting, but it is what it is. I know what you mean. There are always going to be those knockoffs of the really good things. (laughs) But everyone knows the knockoffs are never as good. Yeah. But we shouldn't be supporting it. Like, I always tell people, like, I don't, like, if if you're buying it, that's why they're making it, because they know that people will buy it, you know? I'd rather not have it than have the fake one at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, That's personal opinion. Totally right. I mean, you're right. (laughs) That's real, because it... takes away from the hard work and the creativity of the person that actually came up with it. It reminds me a little bit of fast fashion, you know, when, like, a designer yep. comes up with something and then all of a sudden you see it on Shein the next day. Exactly. It just, it, it's kind of like, you know, FUBU could have been a really good brand, but, it, you know, everybody started faking it and they see it in every kind of, like, fake kind of outlet and mm-hmm. all this. I've always said, like, I was told people, like, Fubu, if Fubu wasn't faked so much, it probably could have ended up being a really good brand. But um, I, I, it kills innovation, too, you know. At, at some point, um, a young designer, a young innovator or inventor, he's going to be like, you know, I, I can't compete with these guys. They, yeah. they These big brands, they come and take your idea, they slap a logo on it, and they put a million dollars into marketing, and then, you know, they get Puff Daddy to tell people it's a great device, and then... Now they're the, the biggest people, right? Um, and it's 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 really hard. I mean, even today, I can't compete with my with anybody when it comes to marketing. You know, we don't have that kind of money by any means, like zero. People think that I'm like you know Puffco, but I'm not. Like we drive, we're a one family car. Um, you know, like I I, yeah. I don't make over a hundred thousand dollars a year by not even close. So we've always we've always kept things humble. And, yeah, um, it's the best know, way. We pay. We employ, we pay our employees well, and, and I love that. You know, we keep our prices low. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. So, Rod, what would you say has been the coolest, like the most unexpected thing about being a part of the cannabis community indirectly? Um, inspiring people. That's been like a big thing for me. Um, I've always wanted to um, inspire young people to do things, and, and coming across young people that I've met and said, "Hey, you inspire me to do this." Um, that's been a huge thing for me because my whole life, you know, being a high school dropout, um, everybody in my family is like a doctor, an engineer or something like that. I've always yeah. thought I was stupid, never thought I was going to be anything in life. Um, so being able to inspire somebody really made me, um, you know, I, I can almost get emotional talking about yeah. it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big part of my life, you know. Um, it makes me feel like I'm not doing this just for people to get high. Like people see, hey, this, 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 this person came from nothing is trying really hard and is doing something, you know, and I think other people in exactly my shoe can, can do that exact thing. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have all these resources. Right. Um, you don't yeah. have to be a, a college graduate. You just gotta be, you just gotta want it and not try and not give up. And I promise you, if you do that, you will get what you want. I promise you, promise you, promise you. You gotta work hard for it. I promise you, it, it's there. That's awesome. Anybody listening. That's awesome. And from one immigrant to another, it's really cool to see like what you've created and how far you've come. And even just like the struggles that you've gone through to get where you are now. It's it's a beautiful journey. And it's cool that you're on the other side to be able to reap the benefits, but also see like 
all the hard work that you've done. Yes, and to be in, able to inspire other people. Like yeah. we all need that inspiration. That's literally what keeps us all going in that full circle. So creating a company is always such a beautiful thing, but we know that it can also come with a lot of struggles, especially when picking people to join your tra- your team. So what's that process been like in regards to finding your core group of people that help your company thrive, but also take on the mission that you originally started? Um, kind, good-hearted people. Um, and they're all friends. I, I, I know, and it's, I've known everybody that works for me for a while now. Um, you know, the uh, resident does all my packaging. I've known him since high school. My wife does the marketing, <laughs> advertising, um, the website, the IG, all social media. That's my wife. Uh, Shout out to your wife. Adam, so. Yeah, she's, uh, she's the best. Without her, my IG and website used to look like a child did it. So, uh, <laughs> well, she's doing great. Looks- so make sure to give her props from us today. Oh my God. She, she keeps me keeps me intact. People are always telling me I'm amazing. I'm like, you should meet my wife. Aww. Um, so sweet. So, I know. But, um, everybody, everybody on the team is, is very, very important. You know, I'm not, I always tell people this is not a one-man operation by any means. Right. I come right. out with really cool, witty ideas. Even my manufacturer in China, um, you know, I wish, I wish I could, you know, figure out a way to give her more attention. She's a single woman that, you know, has a child and works very, 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 very hard. You know, she's 37 years old, works seven days a week, extremely hard. She's a very wealthy woman too, but you know, she works very, very yeah. hard. I think a lot of a lot of people forget to talk about that. That yeah. there's a, a whole another group of people in a different country. It takes that, a village. That they are working. Yeah, they're working very, very hard. Of people, yeah. you know, it's not just me. It's yeah, just a, I love a whole group of us. I love that you even know who your manufacturer is and who, how hard she works and how hard she operates because. You know, a lot of people who don't run successful <laughs> companies do are just don't, they don't even know any of that. So, uh, you have to. I, 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 I try to, we're like, and we just this, this morning, uh, it was, it was Friday. It's been like a slow uh, month, I guess, because for June, it's been kind of like everybody goes on vacation. And my sales yeah. team was kind of feeling down, and they're like, everybody's like, oh, you know, I don't think we're going to hit our goals. And we did. We still hit our goals, but. You know, I was like, hey, let's all go to, I took everybody golfing today. So, Aww. you know, and we're now we're going, we're on our way back to the warehouse now to go to work. Uh, we're going to work, you know, kind of like a half day. So I told everybody, hey, let's go out, get some food, sweet some golf clubs, have a little bit of fun. Just kind of, yeah. I always try to do that. Just, you know, keep our mood up and know that it's not always money. It's not always about, you know, go, go, go. You know, we have to remember, hey, you know, we're family, we're friends here, we care about each other. Yeah, I love that. And that's that what, that's what makes you like a great boss too. Like there is, <laughs> that is so important yeah. to have someone who can feel out the vibe of what everyone else is feeling, but be attentive to it versus just yeah. brushing it off and like, you know, keep exhausting yourself or your mind in some way. That's really cool. Yeah, so um, so Saab, yeah. so Rod, Saab and I both have like morning routines that we swear by to start our days off right. Do you have routines that you can start your mornings with that you can't start mornings uh, without to get you in the right mind for your day? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, 
I'm a I'm a very punctual. My routine has probably not changed in like ten years. <laughs> wow. um, I, I yeah I, I stay I stick to it. Um, so I get up every morning. I walk. I have a I have three dogs. Uh, I have a pig. I have like a two hundred and fifty pound pig. Oh uh, wow! I, we take all the dogs out. Um, my wife will get up, start the coffee. <laughs> Um, I let the dogs out and feed the dogs. Then by the time I, I let the dogs out to use the bathroom after that, my wife's at the deck. She throws me some food to give to the pig, uh, which is like leftovers from the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we drink our coffee kind of on the deck talking, and she goes over like the marketing numbers. She goes over like the day numbers with me um, while we're just kind of hanging out. And then we go and we take a couple of bong hits and we do this every day without missing it. It's like, it's like we never do it. We, we tap our lighters together. We give each other a kiss and then we say cheers and we take a big, a big gigantic bong hit. And every day before like I leave, she's like, I pack your bowl. And I'm like, all right. And then we go downstairs and we take our bong hit like a, like a, pothead little couple that we are that is so cute it's like she packs your lunch but she packs your bowl and she's a real one for that if you're listening what's your wife's name yeah straight up missy melissa but she she likes being called missy she's probably gonna hate me today shout out to missy (laughs) missy if you're listening you're a real one Uh, but i think that's so cool because i know cannabis can bring people together and like even make you bond with your partner and relationships and it's just cool that you and your wife do that like habitually we met through the Rio too. We, um, she was asking all kinds of questions about the Rio one day and kept asking. And then all my personal, which I don't really don't let anybody follow like my personal um, social media. I don't have really anybody that's like a customer or knows who I am, like follow me. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, I got her friend request and I was like, who is this person? And then I was like, oh, this is that girl was asking those questions about my Rio stuff. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. I was like, all right, whatever, you know. <laughs> And then she kept, you know, aggressively asking me tons of more questions. And then one day we was just, we couldn't stop talking. And it was every day, every day. And then, you know, the first moment we met, it was, it, we met through, through, through cannabis, through stash, through all of this. So, That's uh, so you know, cool. Wow. Um, She was with you since the get-go. I love it. Which is dope because that means she's seen you, like, grow and she's been there with you through the growth and helped you, which is cool. I'm sure that bonded you guys a lot more as well. Yeah, absolutely. She sees me through my through my hardest times, through my best times. That's dope. We love to hear that. Um, to flip it a little bit, Brian, I know the hustle can sometimes be the struggle. What's something that keeps you going on days when you found you have found or still do find yourself having a really hard time moving forward, finding creativity, or just like feel like you're just in like a rut? Uh, man, that's a. Uh, I would say it's every pretty consistent um, as a business owner I tell everybody there's there's numerous days that I want to I want to be able to clock out at five o'clock and go home mm-hmm. if that makes any sense yes. that, that never happens for me since I've opened like I don't have a clock out um, so that's every single day I have to push myself there's not one day I'm not a naturally go-getter kind of person I always tell I'm very lazy I um, mean it's a struggle every day to not you know feed my laziness and you know, just chill and hang out all Yeah, day. I, I understand that. Very hard at that. Yes, we can relate to that. That's why we asked that question because it helps us stay inspired too by like what inspires other entrepreneurs to like keep going whenever you do feel like you just want to clog out. 
Yeah, you just got to push yourself, too. And then I think my family, you know, we have a son. Um, he, he's given me more motivation than, than, than anything in the world because I no longer work for myself. I don't work just for, you know, my wife or, you know, things. We work for, for him, you know. People that buy things from us are, you're not buying me, like, a brand new Rolex or anything. You know, <laughs> you know, I, don't, you know I, don't, I don't have a Rolex. I wish I could. <laughs> but, you're, you know, you're supporting my family. You, you know, yeah. that's what I always tell people. This isn't like a... I'm not like getting lit on the weekends. I don't go to clubs. I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't been to a club in like 20 years. So I always tell people, you're supporting a family. You're supporting like at least five five people with five families that work for us. But we're not like a bunch of young kids. We're you know we're grown adults. Yeah. But, yeah. We don't have families. We have kids. And I, I think it. it's really good for people to hear that that are listening because oftentimes you know people will relate like social media and then the followers and like how big a brand is to like maybe what they just kind of assume it's like this big name behind the brand or whatever, you know, just based off of even just social media brand identity. So I think it's really cool and admirable that you broke that down. And it's important for people to hear because even these big brands that are doing marketing, you know, and social media, great and have all these followers and all this stuff, they're still run by little people that have worked really hard to get there and are still, going through everyday hurdles and struggles to be able to, you know, have provide the life for their families and other people. Absolutely. I think people always forget business owners. I, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. Um, it's mental health is something I've always struggled with. But there's days that I just sit there and I say, you know, what, like, do people forget that business owners are people too? Like, I get emails that, like, destroy us just because, like, people will forget to click their battery three times and, like, curse us out in, like, three-page email. And then mm. we'll be like, hey, did you click your battery on? Is it on? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to turn it on. Never mind. You guys aren't, aren't like, pieces of crap. I don't I don't think your mom is, like, I've had literally people destroy us and, like, say the meanest, meanest yeah. things because, like, their package was supposed to arrive on on Monday and they put the order in on Saturday at midnight and they forget that USPS doesn't run on Sunday and it yeah. gets there on Tuesday or something. And, and now like they're, they're cursing at me. I'm the worst company in the world. It's, 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 but it's, it really, it, it really does like impact the personal emotions. Mm-hmm. Like that really, it, that, it hurts me when I hear that. Like even after where there's like, Oh, never mind, I got here today. I'm sorry. I said all that stuff. It's just like, man, that's, like you, for 24 hours, like that's impacting me really, really hard. Like that, people should really, really consider what they say to yeah. To, yeah. to to people across an email. Because my most of the time, it's my wife answering those DMs or those emails, and she, you know, she she's just trying to help people and guide them in the right direction or do something of that nature. She's you know, she doesn't pay. We don't pay influencers too. Sometimes people think that we we pay influencers we, we don't do that we don't pay influencers we don't do paid advertising um so you know some we don't have that kind of that kind of power yeah that's understandable definitely well thanks for sharing all of that it's really good rod so we ask everyone this question but what is the stigma that you would like to see change revolving cannabis um that it's for for potheads um i think Sometimes art industry, we do that and give that stigma upon ourselves. Um, but I don't personally like that. I, I, I think, you know, doctors, it, 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 should, it should be regular people. I don't right. like being like, oh, like, yeah, most people are potheads or like a wook or like, no, dude, like just regular people. And I'm like, I'm just a regular dude. You know, right. like, I 
I play video games. I'm like, I don't, I don't want any kind of a category over me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just a designer at the end of the day. It's like, oh, like, I thought you were like a, like a smoker. Like, yeah, I, I enjoy smoking pop. That's not like, I don't like that. I don't want that title. Like, yeah. right. don't call me a smoker. You know? <laughs> That's like, not what you are your, first. You're way more than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And some people are like, oh, my my, my pothead buddy's coming over. He's like, bro, you said that to your friends? Like, well, nobody, <laughs> we, all, we all drink wine. You're the only one that smokes weed. Like, or so, will you come over trying to think my alcoholic friend? <laughs> yeah, like, what? No That's so rude. <laughs> like, have some chill. Yeah, like, bro. Respect. Like, I came in, they're, they're thinking that I have, like, dreadlocks. I'm like, <laughs> like, like they, they, they really thought, like, some people were like, oh, I, we, like, thought you were somebody else. Like, he, he told me, like, some big pot company owner was coming over, and we thought it was going to be, like, this pothead-looking guy. And I'm like, yeah, no. I'm just a regular dude. Yeah, I'm just a regular, regular dude living regular a regular guy. life. <laughs> I love regular dude living a regular life. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I think this wraps up today's episode. We really appreciate you you calling in today, sharing your story, giving us all the insight, and just being real with us. We really appreciate it. Anytime. I really appreciate you guys having us, and uh, I appreciate um, Oklahoma to the, the fullest. I don't know if you guys know, my wife's actually from Oklahoma. No way. Uh, Where's she from? Yeah. Uh, wow, right very cool. Well, if you're ever in Oklahoma, hit us up. We'd love to take you out. For sure. Uh, we got to come visit sometimes because uh, I've never actually been to Oklahoma. So she's, she's I, I conned her moving here. So. Uh, uh, but thank you guys again <laughs> so much for having me. You guys are phenomenal. Uh, love everything you guys do and uh, keep up the good work. We really appreciate everything you guys do. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. much for all your kind words. And guys, be sure to check out at Stash Products on IG. That's S-T-A-C-H-E Products. And you can keep up with what they're doing. And thank you again, Rod. And as always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode. And as always, Sam, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.